This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Now, early in the third period, Maple Leafs leading the Jets 4-1. The Red Wings are up 2-1 on the Rangers. About three minutes into the third, Cuffs 5, Dodgers nothing in the fifth. Blue Jays eliminated 3-0. Cleveland Indians winning game five. That is your scoreboard presented by Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, visit crystalglass.ca. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Oilers game in this time slot tomorrow. We'll sign on with the face-off show at 5.30. The game starts at 7 as the Oilers take on the St. Louis Blues. Defenseman Mark Fain on injured reserve. Ben Betker called up from the farm. Neil Yakupov back in town. Jack Michaels did a one-on-one interview with Yak. You can get that on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks for joining us, and I'm pleased to be joined in studio by still the WBC and WBA featherweight boxing champion, Edmonton's own Jelena Mergenovic. Jelena, how are you doing? I'm awesome. I'm awesome. Cloud nine, you know? Yeah, well, wel- welcome back to the show. You're becoming a bit of a regular here on Insights Force. We're going to have to get you your own coffee mug or something. Definitely. You know, a little maybe a little cushion or something for the chair or whatever. Is the cushion a little hard? <laughs> no, it's good. <laughs> my, my butt is now getting bigger after uh, the fight. Oh, there we go. Eating all the food in sight? Definitely. <laughs> Unlimited diet for how long after the fight? Uh, I don't know. We'll, well not unlimited, but you're not. Uh, we'll just see how I feel. I usually get kind of antsy right after the fight, about a week after I'm ready to get back in the gym. So, you know, it's hard. You, you crash and you kind of feel you feel really gross about yourself for like <laughs> a week. And then you're like, oh, I should quit avoiding the real world and get my shit together. So. <laughs> oh, there you go. I, I think I think Kellen caught Kellen caught that, so that's that's okay. Uh, I love that. Now, well, you're a world champion. You can you can you can swear a little bit on on six thirty chat. I think we were able to avoid it. Uh, so you're it was ten days ago. You're in now. Were you actually in Paris or where, or where were you? I was in Sergi, just outside of Paris. It's about a forty five minute drive. About. Um, so I wasn't in Paris. Everybody else was in Paris. Everyone else on the trip. Uh, it was amazing. We had about 20 people come out to support me um, in for my fight. So the support was incredible. But um, Sergi was lonely and boring. I mean, I just Milan and I just trained twice a day, which was great for training. But you know, my sister, and my mom went to Disneyland, and they were like sending me like Snapchats and like pictures, and I'm like, cool guys, have fun. I'm like sitting at home watching Narcos. Like, how far ahead of time did you go? We went a week before. I thought. Only a week yeah, before, right? A week before, so. I wondered if you were going to go longer than that, because what was the what's the time change? Six hours. Eight eight hours. Eight hours. Yeah, I, they're eight hours ahead. So, um, you know, I felt, I felt like my time was adjusted well, but I mean, like I said, we were so bored in Sergi, and I was 
um, training so much. So I was in bed by 11, 30, 12 every night. Um, I didn't realize I'd be fighting at 11, 30 p.m. though. So had I known this earlier, like uh, I probably would have stayed up a little later because I think that kind of affected my performance a bit. But, you know, I felt good, felt great with the adjustment coming home kind of sucks like right now i'm waking up at four o'clock in the morning i'm like oh hey what's everybody doing <laughs> why was the fight so late uh i think that's just how they do it in europe is what i heard like um and you didn't expect it eh well i kind of expected it to be around 10 10 30 but okay. um you know so we kind of made the mistake again uh well we i did because i'm such a keener but i started warming up around 9 30 10 um and so i was like warming up for i had three fights in my dressing room before i actually got in the fight <laughs> uh what was this it was a uh, gael amond you were you were taking on so this was for wbc wba belts uh, what what was this uh, fight like? I mean, the last time uh, we talked to you, you were fighting the Argentinian fighter. Yeah. Uh, and what was what was this one like? What was she like as an opponent? Uh, this girl, um, she well, she came in with an undefeated record, right? So she was, I think, fourteen and zero before we fought. Um, so whenever someone comes in with an undefeated record, they are. Well, well, they're good, right? I mean, they're undefeated, so but they but they don't know how to lose, and it's not something you ever try and learn how to do. But um, but undefeated fighters are dangerous because you don't really know their weaknesses or 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 things like that, and so. Um she was tougher than I thought. I, honestly, I thought I'd have this fight over in three rounds. Uh, she she was tough, but she didn't have a lot of quality opponents, so you never really knew what to expect. And, uh, I mean, I hit her clean in the first round, and, and I was thinking to myself, okay, this might be an early night. This is perfect. We can get the vacation started. And and then she just seemed to get a little bit tougher as, as, as the fight kind of went on. Um, which was great. I, I think part of it was she came in the best shape she's ever been, I think. Um, incredible shape, and, and that's why she could kind of handle a lot of my punches. But, I mean, I give her a lot of credit. I hit her hard so many times. I had her out on her feet probably like five, six times in the fight. Um, but she just kept coming forward. So I, I, I give her a lot of credit, and I, and I respect her a little bit more, I think, um, after the fight. So... It was good for her, good fight for me. Though. It, it sounds like though you you feel like you were always in control. I mean, did you ever feel under pressure from her in the fight? No, um, no. Like I, I felt like I was winning the fight. Um, my only concern is, and I've I've had you know some losses. I've been on the wrong side of a couple decisions, um, and so my only concern is going into someone's backyard. You never want it to go to the judges. Um, you know, when I fought in Argentina, I was. I mean, they had us so far behind, even though I thought the fight was closer. So I was concerned about that, um, but I never felt like I, I... I had it in my head when we were fighting 8-2. Um, I had eight rounds, I maybe lost two. When I watched it again, I could give her another round. So 7-3, to three, I think, was a fair score, so 97-93. I have no clue what the other judge was watching. What um, were the? I, I don't have. I don't think I have the scores. So the in this scores article. were 97, 90, um, 93 times two, and then one judge had it ninety six, ninety five for her. So really? I won by split decision. So and I had no clue how. I don't even know how you come up with that score. Maybe he scored one round even. And you score around ten ten. You're not supposed to, but you can. <laughs> but you're the judge. Um, and so I have no idea. Like, I would say he was maybe, like, having a few cocktails at the venue, but they had no booze there, so that wasn't the case. So um, 
so I don't know. I never thought at one point that we were in danger, uh, that I was ever in trouble in the fight. Um, my only concern was the scoring. What was the what was the crowd like? I'm, I'm assuming most of the patrons wanted you to lose and her to win. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there was about two thousand people in the venue, and and like. I, I was getting booed. I mean, she would throw a punch and it would go over my head and they'd cheer. Like, so I think maybe that had a lot to do with the judge, the one judge being off. Their, her fans were great. And it was actually, um, it's new to me, right? Because, uh, I mean, I have such amazing fans in Edmonton and, and uh, tons of support. And I, I can't say there's been too many times that I've been, you know, been the kind of the nemesis going into the fight but um i had 20 people there um my my family and my friends that did come are extremely loud so that was nice having them all kind of in our corner and and i could hear them and 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 that was nice to have there but yeah the fans were definitely rowdy after i think one guy was like trying to chirp me in front i wish i understood or could speak more french like quickly but it was after the fight and he was like yelling at me and he's looking at me and i just like kind of blew him a kiss and waved (laughs) (laughs) that's great did did you have to do any um any interviews leading up to this was there some media hype around it no so this was a thing i and and um the promoter, which was also her coach, which we didn't know, he's like, yeah. I said, well, what time's the press conference? You know, can I have my um, schedule, like, just so we know, so we can work our training around it? And he's like, oh, there's no press conference. He goes, I do it for the fighters so they can just relax and this and that. Well, I didn't know that he was her coach. So basically, he didn't do a press conference because she was so nervous. And so he didn't want to have to put us face to face or anything. So, I mean, I did an an interview. I did one interview for their uh, Le Equipe, which is their sports channel there. And we did it just kind of in the park by the hotel. Um, But other than that, there was no interaction, which is new to me. Like, I've always done the press conferences. You see this, you see that, you see your opponent before. I saw her at the weigh-ins and they kind of kept her away from me and off to the side which again is weird, but that's okay. Um, I weighed in and then we, we were posing for a couple pictures after the weigh-ins and then I went to give her a hug, you know, good luck, whatever hug. And I swear she almost jumped out of her skin. She was, she like, was so terrified nervous. by you. She should have been too. Like, I don't blame her. I mean, I come in, I'm big. Um, I come in with a lot of, a lot of uh, experience, a lot of knockouts. And, and this was a huge fight for her. So she should have been scared and and uh i think even after you know it was hilarious because they tried to pull a fast one on us in the fight and as the champion you come out last that's you know you're the champ why would you come out first well when we went they were like okay time to go time to go and they were like i was standing behind the curtain and i look up at the screen and i see her sitting in the dressing room so i looked at milan and I turned around. I was like, "She's not even in the. She's not even in the ring yet." I turned around. I went you back used to another my word in there that you just stopped yourself from using. I just, now I think. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I turned around and I went back to the dressing room, and and Milan lost his mind. He was so mad because and, and the translation thing, like you know, I think they understand what we're saying, but they just pretend not to because we were pissed. So right. Um, so then we we just went and waited, and and she had to come out before us. So. It's actually hilarious. So that was another thing I think kind of messed with her too. And, you know, that's where you have to use a little bit of veteran moves, like things like that. It's, it, these are tricks of the trade, you know, you get in someone's, 
Yeah. I enjoy that part because I think it's fun. And you had the confidence to do it. If you were a younger fighter, you would have been like, well, I better just be introduced when I'm supposed to be introduced, right? Well, you know, and that's the difference. I never, I mean, I've had big fights. My first title fight, I went in with less experience. Um, She only had one loss, I believe. And I don't know if I ever was that nervous or scared or worried or anything like that and I guess I mean that's where you sink or swim the cream rises to the top right so I can't put myself in her shoes because I've never been there Right. Um, you know, I fought Mia St. John, who has had 50-some-odd fights. I think it was my 18th fight or something, and I didn't care. I was like, yeah, bring it. Let's go. I can't wait. I can't <laughs> wait to win. Jelena Rajinovich in studio. She continues to hold the WBC and WBA featherweight championship belts. More with Jelena as Inside Sports continues. Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Hey, the Jets are trying to rally here. They're now within one of the Maple Leafs 4-3 with 10 minutes left. It was 4-0 for Toronto at one point. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks for tuning in. Inside Sports on 630 Chad. WBC and WBA featherweight boxing champion in studio. Oh, my voice just changed. Jelena Mergenovich. <laughs> Probably because I make you nervous. Yeah, because I feel <laughs> I feel threatened after how you intimidated that poor French girl. Uh, now she's going to spend the rest of her life digging for truffles in the French countryside because you beat the piss out of her. Well, she'll, she'll definitely remember me for a while, that's for sure. <laughs> do they dig for truffles in France? I have no idea. They do now. <laughs> Inside sports, educating you Possibly. That's our slogan. Okay, so Kevin Carrius said you got to fly around the world after the fight. What's the truth? <laughs> Kevin's just jealous. He's like, because I was in the cockpit with the pilot after um, I flew home. They were amazing. The staff was awesome. Um, and the pilot wanted to get a picture. So he, like, put me in the seat. And I was like, yeah, so I can pretty much fly a plane now. No big deal. And I said that to Kevin because he was texting me. He wanted me to come in. And I was like, oh, actually, I'm in L.A. this weekend uh, visiting a friend. Um we we uh, just I just wanted a, a little bit of R and R in the warmth before I came yeah. back to the snow, um, and so Kevin was kind of choked. So he's like, he's telling everybody I'm flying around the world. I was really in Paris. We went to Croatia for a few days after, um, and then L.A. Like. I know my life is so tough. Like sometimes it pays to be me, but I did live in a gym for three months, so <laughs> twice a day. So I feel like um, I yeah, you deserve some. A, you deserve some bit. rest. Yeah, I don't think anybody begrudges you that. But <laughs> Kevin obviously exaggerated the extent of your travels. <laughs> Kevin's just, just jealous because I got to sit in the cockpit of the plane, which was pretty cool. I mean, like there's a lot of stuff going on in there. So I was like, and I told him, I'm again, no, don't be jealous just because I can fly a plane now, okay? <laughs> Uh, so, you, so you didn't get to actually do a lot of Paris stuff before or after the fight? No, I spent uh, one day in, um, after with my two sisters and my brother-in-law, and it basically revolved around eating. Like, we would go from one place, we'd eat, <laughs> then we'd walk to another place, and we'd eat some more, and then dessert was definitely there. So, yeah, <laughs> my Paris tour was not the Eiffel Tower, or the Louvre, or things like that. It was all about the restaurants. You were at the Oilers game last night. Disappointed you were not on the Jumbotron. Hopefully next time. Me too. I was disappointed World champion. We should put you on the Jumbotron, (laughs) Oilers. Just saying. Uh, You got to meet Dave Semenko? 
Yeah, he's such Did a he great challenge man. you to a fight? No, I like <laughs> I, I I looked at his hands and like his fists are huge and I was like, Oh, that might hurt if I got hit. <laughs> It's like the size of my head. Right now, my head's really small because I'm still skinny, but... <laughs> Did he talk to you about it? He, he, he fought up Muhammad Ali. Yeah, so he told me that story, and, and he's, like, telling me the story, and I was like, yeah, that's classic Ali. Like, it seems like a new... Like, the story is so amazing. Like, to have that experience is pretty unreal. He, you know, it's like you could see when he was telling the story, he's like... like Obviously, that's highlight. I mean, who, yeah. why wouldn't it be? Like, that's Muhammad Ali. That's pretty crazy. Is that your first time in Rogers Place? Um, I went for the Keith Keith Urban concert, but okay. that was my first game. Yeah, my first game. Um, what a beautiful building. Like, that's, it's unbelievable. So I got a little bit of a tour. I mean, I got... Um, uh, Tom Metz took me down and I got to see like the Hall of Fame kind of room, the media yep. room, which is incredible. I was, you know, I was busy, busy Snapchat and everything. And, and I went back up to see my siblings and they were like, where'd you go? And I was like, oh, no big deal. I was just hanging out in Gretzky's locker. Nice. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a beautiful building, and, and uh, it was nice to see the boys win. Um, had to go and support the Oilers, you know. I think this is our year to at least make playoffs, so... <sighs> Well, I hope so. It's, you fought, was it March, your previous fight? Yeah, my and, previous fight was March. Okay, so now what's next? I assume you still have the two belts, so people are trying to get at you. Yeah, well, um, I guess what happens when you get a split decision and you don't knock people out is they think they can win. So they want... They bring want to bring her to Edmonton. Me, they want, they want uh, to do a rematch, um, but... Uh, I don't know. We'll see. We're negotiating right now. They want to bring. They want to do the fight in Paris and make it a bigger show, um, which I'm okay with. I think. I mean, as I won the fight and I fought well. However, I didn't think I fought to the best of my ability. I didn't knock her out basically, so I'm disappointed still a little bit. Um, I'm extremely hard on myself, and I I expect perfection, and it wasn't perfect. Um, it would have been perfect if I knocked her out in the first round. <laughs> however. That didn't happen. So there's room for improvement. Yeah. <laughs> like a big knockout, a little highlight reel action, that would have been nice. Um, yeah, you got to convince her that truffles, truffles is the way to go uh, as right. a profession. <laughs> so, uh. I mean, so maybe that. And, um, I mean, it's 48 fights, so we'll see. I want the in the next few to really mean something. So we'll, I don't know. Awesome. Yeah. Give people the website and your, your Twitter stuff. Uh, my Twitter's at Jelena Boxing. So Jelena is spelled J-E-L-E-N-A, Boxing. Um, same with my Snapchat and my Instagram. So um, so check out check out there, and we'll keep everybody updated with what's going on. So And, of course, on Inside Sports as well. We'll yeah. let you know what's going on. Yeah. Thanks again for coming in. It's always great to have you on oh, the show. Thanks for having me. It's always fun. That is Jelena Mergenovic. She maintained her WBA and WBC belts, the win in France a week and a half ago. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Hey, Kelly Rudy's up next. It's 827. <laughs> This is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Hey, thanks for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on Chad. 4-3, the Leafs trying to hang on against the Jets. Patrick Laine has scored in that game. And the Red Wings lead the Rangers 2-1. 
late in the third. Thanks for choosing Inside Sports over the presidential debate. Let's just check in on what's happening with the presidential debate. Sounds like we're more exciting, Kel. I don't think you're missing anything at all by listening to us. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what's going to happen? Trump's going to say something outrageous? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But you'll be able to see on YouTube anyway later because they cut all the best clips and put them up on YouTube as it is. That's so. that's true. You just that's you right. just get the debate highlights. Yeah. Heck, I think a couple with the second debate, I think you could go to like a couple of the news sites and that stuff af, like minutes after they went off the air and they had like the full live stream archive so you could go back and rewatch it if you wanted to. Oh, right. Well, the, with the internet these days, yeah. uh, and uh, you can get uh, inside sports, of course, in podcast version. You just mm-hmm. go on 630 Chad and sign up. And for those who've been asking about overtime open line, yes, you can get it on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. And because people have wanted a podcast, it was just mm-hmm. easiest for us to put it as part of the Inside Sports podcast. So if you get the Inside Sports podcast, you'll automatically get overtime open line. Or if you want to get overtime open line, just sign up for the Inside Sports podcast and, and overtime open line will pop up for you. So that's simple. And comment, like, share. Yeah, please mm-hmm. like it, for sure. Mm-hmm. I believe we're up to two likes. So yes. We'll try to get to five by the end of the hockey season. Exactly. Thanks to Jelena Mergenovich for coming in studio. Such a great champion, great Edmontonian, and she continues to roll along. Big win uh, and just outside, I said it was in Paris originally, just outside of Paris. Uh, and maybe a rematch coming with Gael Amand. We will see. But Jelena uh, retains the WBA and WBC featherweight championship belts. Awesome to have her in studio. All right, uh, Inside Sports on 6. 30 Ched. We are joined every week during the hockey season by former NHL goalie, now an analyst with the NHL on Rogers, Kelly Rudy. Kelly, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. It's a uh, catch-up day for me, Reed, so I'm trying to get all my stuff done, and uh, I had to, uh, well, I have a home game here tomorrow between the Flames and Carolina, uh, and then I go to Winnipeg this weekend, which I'm really looking forward to because it's the Heritage Classic, and, and those are just amazing events, and uh, by the way, I happen to like Winnipeg, if uh, you can believe that. Well, I, I can believe it. Why wouldn't you like Winnipeg? <laughs> you know what it reminds me of, Reed? Uh, as you know, I grew up in Edmonton, so I have a real soft spot for the city. Edmonton or Edmontonians and uh, the people of Winnipeg, I haven't traveled a lot in Manitoba, but people of Winnipeg are really, really nice, friendly people. And for those reasons, I just love going to uh, those two cities. Yeah, well, it's going to be fun. And they're making a, a, a big deal kind of about the old WHA connection there and uh, certainly some of the rivalries that the, the teams had in, in the 1980s. So, the, so that's pretty cool. Outdoor games, they've become a, a big thing in the NHL. And you played in one. No, it didn't count in the stand. But you were in the one in Las Vegas, weren't you? Wasn't it yeah. Kings Against Rangers? Absolutely. That was, a, uh, that was just a phenomenal event. And so when I hear people around the uh, North America in particular, they say, well, you know, the weather is such a factor. You know, I beg to differ. You know, Dan Craig and his entire ice crew, they can put in ice anywhere. It doesn't matter. And, and you look at uh, what Vegas have, does now in uh, preseason games. I, I don't know. I think they had at least two again this year, uh, although they had an arena. But you can put them outside anywhere now. And it doesn't matter if the weather, uh, other than rain, any weather is good. But wasn't it something like 35 Celsius during that game you guys played in Vegas? 
you know what it was? It was during the day. So the day before, there was a number of us that flew in early. Uh, I want to say Larry Robinson, Gretzky, Luke, um, myself, uh, maybe I think Dave Taylor as well. They, they flew in five of us, and we did a whole bunch of press stuff the, the day before. And uh, we're, we were amazed. We're like, there's not a chance we're playing. I mean, the ice was melting. It was, it was like a pond on top of a layer of ice. And much to our surprise, they continue to work really hard at it. And during the night, it cooled off considerably. And so the ice, in fact, was not a problem. It was really good ice. I was really surprised, uh, even though it was somewhat warm in the evening. But I think I've told you a story. The problem was uh, locusts came in. And so that was the issue. It wasn't ice or weather. It was uh, a swarm of locusts came roaring through the parking lot, and I don't know if it was because of the lights or what, so that was an issue. So, like, were they just, like, sitting on you, around you? <laughs> both. Both. They're flying, they're, they're landing on the ice. Um, unfortunately, some of them were the casualty of a slap shot. <laughs> so it was one of the most unique experiences. Uh, we had a pretty good laugh over it, but... Uh, um, I, it's one of my fondest memories. I mean, I think that was, well, not I think, I know, that was the debut of uh, a goalie wearing a camera on his helmet. Um, I wore the camera, plus the microphone. Unfortunately, the microphone didn't work uh, after about two minutes. But the camera, uh, which was mounted on my helmet, of course, um, and it was called the Rudy Cam, was amazing. It gave uh, an insight to what it might look like uh, from a goaltender's perspective with all the travel or the traffic I mean in front of you and, and all these other sorts of things. The only thing I have to do is remind my teammates often, because uh, I thought the mic was working the entire game. I had to tell them often when they'd come around, say, after a whistle and they'd gather by the net, they might be saying something that was completely inappropriate or the language or something. So um, I was like, I was the... Uh, 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 politically correct policeman that night. Let's just say that. <laughs> so, given that the game was in Vegas, were you able to play blackjack during stoppages in play, or did you have to wait <laughs> till the intermissions? <laughs> well, you know what? I, I'm not a gambler, so I'm lucky. I uh, But I enjoy fine dinners, as anybody that knows that follows me on Twitter. So, after the game, I went with a bunch of my teammates who had a bite to eat to Caesars Palace. And they all went off and gambled and, and so on and did their thing. I, I do know I stayed up late. And I'm sure I had way too much wine and beer and so on. But we had to leave like at 9 or 10 in the morning. And we traveled all the way across country. I want to say we went to Greensboro, North Carolina. And we were going to have one of those neutral site uh, exhibition games. That was our final uh, preseason game out there. So we traveled the entire way and get there. And of all places, that's where the game was canceled because the ice wasn't good enough. So we went all the way from Vegas to Greensboro and back home and didn't even play. And, oh, man, talk about tired when you get home. Of course, it didn't help because I probably went to bed around 7 in the morning after that game in Vegas. But that's a separate issue. <laughs> Kelly Rudy joining us inside sports on 630. Chad. Uh, well, I wonder, uh, first of all, thanks for doing this, Kelly, because I was originally going to give you the day off, but I switched it on you. Uh, <laughs> oh, my, that's funny. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure the Players Association is going to look at the Oilers. I'm sure they're worried about precedent. And, uh, you know, I know all those stories are coming out. Well, we used to practice at midnight after a game, or we had to walk home behind the team bus. Or, or 
or, yeah. or, or whatever. It's a different world. And I mean, I remember you told the story about having a three-way contract. So that's another thing too about how the Players Association is right. is is different. I mean, Adam, when you played, were there planned days off? That would you even have that luxury at all? Uh, not planned days off, no. But there were days in which we were given a heads up that they it would be a day off, and I don't have as much of a problem like for the Oilers to change their day off from, from Monday to Wednesday. I mean, the only time it really, really annoyed me um, is when I was older and I had kids that were now getting a little bit older and they were uh, specifically, let's just say it was a Sunday. So we had a game Saturday. We were told we are going to get Sunday off. We didn't play as well as the coach had expected. And so he'd, he'd take away our day off on Sunday, which was uh, infuriating to me because that was precious time to be spent with our children. And oftentimes we had something planned, especially in California. I mean, we'd be doing some fun things. So it might be a trip to Disneyland or if I was in San Jose, it might be a trip to uh, Santa Cruz or, or, or something like that. Um, something that involved good quality family time. And it would, it would be extremely infuriating to me when that was changed. Now, if it was a weekday, in all likelihood, I didn't care because What's the difference? My kids are in school, so if I get the day off on Monday or if I get the day off on Wednesday, I don't care. As long as I get a day off somewhere, if they make it up. But I understand there's enough. I understand the reasons why people don't like what happened, and it's it's certainly just around the CBA. But I think that's to me that, that's something you can work around. Did you ever have a coach or an experience where there was a real? punishment practice and, and maybe even you look back on it now and you're like that ah, did, did, did that even help that was just mean <laughs> you know what I, I think there is a time and a place for a, a practice and however you want to whatever term you want to use but I think there are times where you have to send a message to the players and and through that it's an incredibly hard practice and sometimes uh, it doesn't include uh, pucks other times it's just really really hard skating for whatever half an hour or something like that um but i i don't think that that's something that can be used very often um for instance i don't think you could get away with it more than twice a year or or once a year i just don't think the players uh, are like that anymore for good reason they they shouldn't be punished you should try and make them better but also there are times where and depends how you look at it there have to be conditioning practices too, right? I mean, there are just days where you've got to put in the work because not everybody gets all they need in a game. Some guys play 22 minutes, that might be what they need. But other guys that are playing seven minutes a night, they're going to need extra work and they have to do that on their own, but also you can do it as a team. I was never really against one of those uh, practices as long as there's a reason for it and as long as I needed it. And uh, maybe it was because of conditioning, maybe it was a message needed to be sent. But that's all right. I mean, it's pro sports. You, you've got to find ways to, to reach players. And if, if it takes that, that's okay. I mean, Al Arbor, as you know, I, I talk about him almost every show with you, Reed, but he was old school. And so at the end of every single practice, we'd line up on the goal line and do down and backs. And, and now depending on what he thought we needed. Sometimes it'd only be maybe two each. Sometimes it'd be five or something like that. And there are other stories I wish I could share with you and your listeners about how Al might change it up or how Al might keep us off guard just a little bit with a comment or something. But unfortunately, they're inappropriate. 
but they're 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 incredibly funny though too. But I just can't use it because it includes maybe language or things said that uh, it's not for public uh, knowledge. But it was, I mean, that was the brilliance of Al, right? He just, you know, he might you might think he's really grumpy, and then you line up to do down and backs, and you say something really funny, and he go. Okay, I'll see you guys tomorrow. And I, of course, I couldn't give you much detail, but you kind of get the gist of it. Right, right. Okay, cool. Well, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. I, Winnipeg, great choice to host the uh, Heritage Classic. I hope Edmonton yeah. gets one again someday, but uh, we'll worry about that uh, down the road. Kelly, have fun, and uh, yeah, we'll talk next week, man. Good to have you back on the show. Okay, pal. Yeah, just take a look at the rosters for the Heritage Classic. I mean, it's unbelievable that players uh, from the Jets and the Oilers that are participating. It's going to be really cool. Patrick Line, two goals tonight, including the game-tying goal at 19.05 of the third. The Jets and the Leafs are now in overtime. It's 4-4. At one point, it was 4-0 Toronto. Two and a half minutes left in overtime. Inside Sports on 6.30, Chet Eskimos back to work. They play at BC on Saturday. Offensive lineman DeAnthony Batiste will be making the trip. DeAnthony, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. Just getting geared up for our game on the West Coast with the uh, BC. So we're just getting ready to uh, amp up for these guys and just practicing, keeping our nose to the grindstone, getting ready to roll for this game. How was your bye week? Uh, our bye week was good. Uh, got a chance to rest the body, spend some time with the family and kids, and now I'm back and ready to roll. Did you stay in town? Uh, yeah, hung around in town, just spent, uh, spent a little time at the park, a little bit of time at uh, West Ed, and that's basically it, man. Just got a time to get a chance to get in the weight room and get strong again. I bet you were thrilled to see the early snowfall, eh? <laughs> oh, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I was <laughs> elated. <laughs> let, me, let me ask you this, because you've played on both sides of the border. Uh, do you have right. a uh, hottest game you've played in and a coldest game you've ever played in? <laughs> Uh, hottest game I've ever played in was in Jacksonville. It was about 90, uh, 98% humidity and 100 degrees outside. And the coldest game I've ever played in was 2014 at Saskatchewan. Okay. Yep, there was a lot of plays being called from the uh, from the heater. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, do, you, do you have a preference? Which extreme is you, you prefer dealing with? Uh, you know what? I don't have a preference, to be totally honest with you. There's good and there's good and there's bad things about uh, playing in the cold and playing in the hot. Uh, playing in the warmer weather, you're definitely uh, sweating more, so hydration is key. In the colder games, you just have to stay loose, but you don't sweat as much. So there's positive and negatives to both. So what were you doing in Jacksonville? Just, like, drinking water the entire time on the sideline? Or did the they hit that big fans? The entire time. Oh, yes. The entire time. Miss fans going. You packing, you know, packing Gatorlights in, taking as much electrolytes as you're in because you're just sweating so much. By the time the end of that game, you know, you're literally wringing out your, your pads and you're wringing out your pants and it's just a puddle of sweat. <laughs> did, did you weigh yourself after that game? <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, I lost, I lost at least three or four pounds after that game. It, it was quite, quite a hot day, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, see, that's the thing about uh, Albertans, right? We we complain about the cold, but then we're always just like, humidity, no way, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, in the, in the South, uh, humidity is definitely a factor, but uh, to be totally honest with you, I'll take the cold any day. Okay, well, uh, we'll see. you're going to be inside, obviously, on Saturday, so it'll be... Uh, no elements, no elements on Saturday. No elements, <laughs> you're just going to get out there and play under the big roof, uh, or, well, I guess exactly. it's retractable now, but it, it'll be fine. Hey, uh, what a season. 
You guys have had a couple right. of three-game winning streaks, a couple of three-game losing streaks. You know you're driving yep. fans crazy, but it seems to be a bit of an upswing. What's it been like yeah. for the guys going through this? Uh, well, we're trying to stay as disciplined as possible, to be totally honest with you, and staying focused, being able to handle success. Uh, whenever we get on these three-game win streaks, uh, teams are starting to realize that we're more of a threat, and they start taking us a lot more serious uh, week in and week out, and they respecting their opponent. So whenever we get on these three-game win streaks, being disciplined, staying on side, minimalizing the penalties is the main thing because teams are going to make fewer and fewer mistakes against you because the more film there's out there and the more teams respect you, the seriously they're going to take in, the harder and harder these guys are hitting the books during the week. So being the most disciplined team on game day is the main thing that we have to focus on staying for. Eskimos offensive lineman DeAnthony Batiste joining us on Inside Sports. You guys have been able to score 40 points two weeks in a row, uh, and, right. and the winning streak started with a you know a solid 27-point effort against the BC Lions. And you've been running right. the ball, and you've been doing it with a couple of different running backs, which right. leads me to believe it must be all because of the offensive line, right? <laughs> uh, I'm going to stay humble on this one and, and, and say it's a group effort because there's wide receivers out there blocking as well. But uh, we definitely, up front, we're definitely moving in a positive direction and trying to focus on getting better and better week in and week out, no matter who's running the ball. And that's our, that's our main focus. It does seem, though, that there's been an increased commitment to, to getting the running back the ball, whether it's keep handing it to him, even if it starts off slow, and, and get right. the ball to either Bell or White on some short passes. I mean, that's how it looks like to me. I don't know. Maybe maybe you don't see it that way. But it seems to me there's more commitment to say we got to get the ball in the back's hands one way or another. Yeah, I mean, that's what the statistics are showing, definitely. And uh be totally honest with you, whether it's 40 passes a game and 20 runs or, or whether it's 30 passes and 30 runs, I just got to – I know as a player I have to go out there and block what's called and have faith in um, Coach Moss and the plays that he's calling and, and have faith in they're always going to put us in the best situation possible. So uh, no matter what's called, obviously we just got to move the ball. And, uh, and that's one thing with the run game. It's two yards, three yards, and then there's a 20-yard burst, and then there's a 40-yard run. So the things about it is, run the game takes a commitment, and whenever we're able to stay committed to us, it only eases things in the back end in the pass game. Right. All right. Well, did it? Uh, I mean, obviously, you guys were were closing in on it anyway. Was there any relief, or what was the feeling when it actually was finalized on the weekend that you guys are in the playoffs? Uh, it was. To be totally honest with you, it was good for us. Um, just going forward, knowing that we're going to be in the in the end, you know, we're going to be in the playoffs, and we're going to have a chance to play for a great, another great cup, which is great for our fans, our city, and everybody that's had faith in us, and kind of makes it surreal for our players that's been working very hard this season. But uh, it's just another game, another week, and we're fo- we're focused on our next opponent because we're trying to keep everything on the upswing. We're trying to keep our offensive uh, game production on a high level going into the playoffs, and we're trying to do the same thing defensively because every game counts. And every game is an opportunity to get better. So there's no off game. There's no side relief. There's no taking your foot off the gas. We're on to the next opponent and trying to establish uh, our dominance as an Eskimo team week in and week out. All right. Well, you're uh, you're playing well at the right time of year, and I know people hope it uh, it's going to keep rolling here against the Lions. Two more road games on this uh, unusual stretch of four four away from home. 
DeAnthony, it's always yeah. great to have you on the show, man, and uh, all the best here down the stretch. I hope we can do this again soon. Definitely. I appreciate it. You have a good one, Reed. DeAnthony Batiste from your Edmonton Eskimos. Patrick Liney completes the hat trick in overtime. Jets over the Maple Leafs 5-4. Red Wings beat the Rangers 2-1. Blue Jays eliminated 3-0 loss to Cleveland. Cubs taking it to the Dodgers 8-2 in the sixth. Tomorrow at 5.30, face-off show, Oilers and Blues. Game starts at 7. Thanks for listening to Inside Sports. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.